Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode from, of course, China. My name is Fernando, and this is Ziv. And today we are joined by Paul Benavides, also known as Walkabout Rojo on his YouTube channel. Paul is an American, and he's been teaching at a university in Zhongshan for four and a half years, I think. So let's welcome him to the show. Paul, yeah. how are you? Thank you very much for having me. I'm Good. I'm no, very it's excited a pleasure to, be to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hello. Thank you, sir. Well, Paul has um, his YouTube channel, and one of the things that he does over there is he does hotel reviews, which is something that we find very, very interesting, and we wanted to talk to him about that. So what? why hotels? I find them fascinating places. They're like little microcosms of the world, mm -hmm. you know, and they're in every single city and place in the world, and they're all unique and different. You never have the same, well, sometimes you do, <laughs> but, but, but if you do it right, you never have the same experience in each one. But you're not just uh, like a customer. You have experience in working at hotels, so you know what you're talking about. And that's right. One of my first jobs I had back in uh, Los Angeles, uh, LA area, Orange County, uh, was Valet Parker, you know, mm -hmm. and I love driving cards and And I fell in love with meeting people from all around the world. And uh, it just snowballed from there. I worked my way up. And uh, when I was in college, I did it. Even when I was, uh, I was in the service, when I was in the service, I worked as a bartender at, at part-time at a hotel. <laughs> while, while doing the service? While in the service, while okay. I wasn't overseas. Ah. You know? so, all right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But uh, then I eventually worked my way up, became, got into management. Uh, I worked in every single department mm -hmm. and uh, uh, eventually became senior vice president of a large um, A property management company that had a hotel portfolio, but it was mostly apartments and apartment communities. How old were you at this time? I was 29. 29. Yeah, I was very, very young senior vice president and I had a corner office and it was pretty awesome, you know, flying around a private jet and things like that. So For real? Wow. For real, yeah. Nice. yeah. It was did, really great. Did you, uh, did you ever, uh, did you dream about working for hotels uh, in hospitality business? My dream was to be a GM. You know, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I really wanted to be a GM of a major hotel and invite people and important people and meet, you know. Why? I like people. You know, I, I'm, some of my greatest experiences in life have been from working in hotels. The people that you meet, and not necessarily the famous people and the politicians and musicians and actors and stuff like that. But just happened a lot too. Oh yeah, yeah I got okay. many, many stories. I worked in Hollywood for right. a couple of years, and so it, it was a property that catered to that kind of clientele, celebrities, and, and yeah. And I'm not bound by any kind of confidentiality agreement for that hotel, by the way. All so. right, <laughs> then. So did you did you stay in hotels a lot when you were a kid? No, I didn't. No, and so I always saw hotels as like a dream getaway. You know, I grew up in a suburban neighborhood. And, you know, I pass by a hotel and there's a party going on and people are looking fancy and, you know, the women are all dressed up and, and you know, the men are so cool and they're going in there eating fine restaurants. Right. And, you know, it, I just I was just attracted to that energy or that surrounded the hotel. Kids, kids love hotels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think so. Even like, after they've been to many, my kids, they still, hey, we got to hotel. Yeah. It's like yeah. camping in nicer conditions. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or maybe they don't even know camping. So yeah. <laughs> just But, directly. Um, hotel work is known to be very, very difficult. Long hours. Uh, so what's your... It's definitely demanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's demanding on your time and your energy. But those who do it, love it. I gave, uh, gave you guys the idea of, you know, you meet a chef. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like cooking, but I don't love it, you know, but a chef loves to do it every day. And working in a kitchen mm -hmm. is like hell. It's war yeah. in there, but people love it. 
and so it, uh, to work in a hotel industry really attracts a certain type of personality. You can have a passion Ooh. for it. Yeah, yeah so most definitely. What, what makes you uh, satisfied? Like, uh, uh, you know, we make magazines, so mm. when it comes out, I can hold it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we created this again. What, what, what gives you satisfaction? Uh, I'm a people person, you know, and seeing someone smile. Happy. Happy, saying goodbye. Right. Saying hello again. Right. Uh, there's a satisfaction, so like you, you, you develop a little relationship with these people. That's what customers uh, want to, to have in a hotel. If everybody were like you, not everybody. Be great. <laughs> Many customers want to not be known. Just, oh. just leave me alone. Don't bother me. Don't take my bag. And you, you get a sense of that, and you cater to alone. everybody's different right. you know, needs That's and wants. And the challenge is to identify what those needs or wants are and then provide it for them. Right, so. right. So, um, so when did you come to China? Uh, I've been in China for a little over four years now, uh, 2015. And, you, you, and you didn't come here for a hotel job? No, no, no. I, I left hotel industry and uh, it, the hours were getting to me. It really was. Uh, I did, I've done it for so long um, in one way or another, real estate in one way or another. And, you know, managing apartment communities is the same as managing hotels. They're real estate units. You just, for hotels, you're selling per night. And apartments, you're selling six months to a year. So it's the same industry from a management standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, uh, the money wasn't there. You know, I wasn't moving up fast enough. I had done all this education. And uh, the corporate scene, when I got to that, wore me out completely. Right. And I went back to the operations side. And I was working the same amount of hours and uh, not getting the, the financial reward that I needed. Because, you know, you reach a certain age, you know, you're in your prime earning years and uh, you're working this hard and you sacrifice family, you sacrifice relationships right. for that. So, so that I time, was looking for something different. At that right? time, probably you had a, a wide IRA of options uh, that you wanted to pursue. China became one of those. No, actually, China, I fell into China. Um, teaching, teaching was always something I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah, of my whole life. But I wanted to do it when I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, I'm not an old man. I'm 40, you know, so I'm not, I'm not an old man yet. But I, I saw teaching as a way to get back into the traveling world and satisfy my wanderlust a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hotels wasn't satisfying that. I was, I was really excited to get into international brands and, and work in hotels overseas and stuff like that. But those opportunities were not pre- being presented to me. So I saw this as a way to do it, and I always wanted to teach. I just started earlier than I thought. Well, that's interesting because we had another guest that talked about the great thing of having second career, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess that's what you—that's what you're doing now. You—that was the plan. I mean, I, I knew in order to be an effective teacher, I had to have a lot of life experience first, and I think that makes me a better teacher because I have real-world experience, even as an English teacher. Mm. You know, because language—you talk about science, you talk about economics you talk about accounting and you right. talk about travel it's very interesting because a lot of the teachers that come here come fresh out of college that's right right with very little experience so right. all i bring to the table is language and not that's because right. they want to be teachers probably they don't <laughs> really want to be teachers it's just that's where the money is and that's where the opportunities are right and yeah so that makes it a little bit different um is this have you been with the same employer all this time or have you changed jobs or um i've had two employers my first mm-hmm. employer was uh Metin. Or Melian um, mm-hmm. in Chinese, and fantastic training center company, a growing company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're based in Shenzhen, and uh, you know when I was choosing because you have a choice, 
it's your choice when you come here. I mean, you get so many offers and you it's insane. It's insane. So you apply to four or five different schools and you'll get four offers and it's your choice of city. So I chose Metten, but really I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And it was a shot in the dark <laughs> and it was a good shot because those people, I mean, people like to complain about working in training centers. Sometimes I had an amazing experience and the people are still to this day, my, some of my best friends in China and I consider them my family in China really. So I have maintained an excellent relationship with them. For a lot of people, sorry, for a lot of people who work in, in like large training centers, Metan is quite large yeah. in China. Um, the second option is how to choose a location. Yeah. So what about uh, the place where you are, Zhongshan? Made you decide to go there. Yeah, no, most people have never heard of it. They, right? they, it's, <laughs> a, it's the furniture place, right? Uh, the, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what people they may make say. they make furniture. Uh, I've worked in one of the small towns uh, called Chalan, which makes uh, lighting. Mm. Yeah, they're famous for lighting, hardware, and chrysanthemums. <laughs> and what is it? Is it, is it uh, the one of the famous uh, Chinese uh, old figure from Zhongshan? Sun Zhongshan. Yeah, oh, Sun okay. Yat-sen. Yeah. Sun Yat-sen. That's right. right. Yat-sen. Yeah. There is a house there and everything. Yeah, right, right. it's a wonderful first-class museum. It's really the one of the only things you would go to Zhongshan for if you're not in business. Right. But it is a first-class museum that I recommend everyone go see. I've been there multiple mm. times, and it's a great history lesson, you know, and, yeah, everything there is top-notch, world-class. Right. Do you... Um, Your first experience in life, I mean, not, not that it was the first, but uh, being in hospitality and what we uh. spoke about, you think it uh, prepares you well to do other things because like you, you are, I would say, if you don't mind, a people pleaser, right? Service, you know, like you, you, you talk about reading people, you know, and you just want them to be happy. That's, that's why you were good in your job. That's the, that's the intrinsic motivation, you know. Um, in grad school, I studied leadership theory. And so uh, I've right. studied this like crazy and I love it. I love reading people. And in China, they actually understand the concept of EQ, you know, mm. emotional intelligence, right? Mm. Um, in the West, that's not a thing. It's all about IQ, right? So uh, in, if you can understand or you can find out someone's intrinsic motivations, then you can lead them or, or get them to do anything. Right. You know? So one of the reasons that um, we wanted to have you here is to talk a little bit about hotels in China, hotel careers in China. I know from your YouTube channel that you review hotels. So we wanted to ask you about, well, different things about China and hotels. Um, first of all, do you get like special treatment when you review a hotel? Do you, I mean, does that play a role in the kind of service you get or the kind of room that you get? Sometimes, it depends on how I approach it. Uh, oftentimes I'll be invited. Uh -huh. uh, I'm doing uh, the La Meridian in Zhongshan right now, which has been devastated by what's going on right now. Um, they're in Gangko, which is a the furniture part of Zhongshan, and there's no business. No Zero, business. No business. No people. Zero, Zero people. orders. Yeah, and it's a first-class property. Open? You know, it's open right now, but it's on the list to be closed. Mm. And I know the manager there, and they've actually invited me to come. They're going to give me the VIP treatment. And... Uh, So that's one example. Mm -hmm. But when I'm traveling on my own, oftentimes I do a lot of research about which one I want to stay at, which one I think will provide the most interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the nicest or the most best reviewed. I just want an interesting experience. Because at the end of the day, a hotel room is a bed and four walls. Yeah. You know? <laughs> whether, so. whether you get special treatment or not, do you, um, 
do you even like to tell them that you do that in advance? Oftentimes, well, in advance, sometimes it depends. Okay. It depends on the property. It depends on what I'm looking for right, or what right. I want. Usually, if if the property is very expensive, then I yeah. will contact them ahead of time and tell them, "Look, right. this is what I'm coming to do." <laughs> right. you know, I'm I'm trying to get some special favors. But if it's in <clears> Asia, <throat> properties are very very reasonably priced. Right. So it's it's wonderful if you're a hotel buff like me to travel around Asia because you get incredible deals. Not always. If you right. International brands, Ritz-Carlton, you know, Hyatt, uh, Sheraton, Safatel, right. even the Pullman that I'm at, you're going to pay a lot more money for these properties because they're internationally brands. But you so. said before, even if they do give you some special treatment, you're still honest in your reviews. 100%. I mean, you, yeah. I make that very clear to them. You right. Know, you know, if, if, if we talk about it. Right. But there have been not some hotels that I do clandestine. You know, I just right. I just do my thing, and they have no idea what I'm doing. And then I like that. If it's great, then I <laughs> give them a little. Here's my channel. We'll we be used up to, in a week. We used to do our reviews <laughs> when we started. We used to do our bar and restaurant reviews always mm. like that. That's the I best way. Didn't to do didn't it even too. tell them yeah. we're coming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, years change. Today, um, media is different. I think. Well, than 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, I when I worked for that magazine in Orange County I was a I sold advertising for it and the restaurants would say well we'll buy advertising if you give us a good review yeah. and I said well then you're Doesn't sacrificing journalistic integrity for that you know so but in the end of the day today mm -hmm. I say I'm not in the business of telling people where not to go mm -hmm. I'm in the business of telling people where to go if a place is horrible I'm just not reviewing it there you go that's a good that's a yeah. good policy that's yeah. a good strategy um I wanted to know because me um not being able to read Chinese. Um, whenever I'm going to travel, I use booking.com. Mm. You mentioned earlier uh, when we were preparing for this interview that you don't use booking.com. What do you use and why? Uh, I've tried using booking.com multiple times and each time it has failed. I, I, get, <laughs> I get to the hotel and they say, we're not honoring this reservation. That's one thing. When you have a reservation, the hotel never has to honor it. You know, they uh -huh. can change it or deny it as soon as you get there. With That's booking or just in general? With all res reservations. A reservation doesn't mean jack. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, they'll walk you. They'll refuse you entry. They'll give you a lower room. Why would they? Like, why does it, has it happen do with, when it happens? It has why? to do with revenue management. Okay. You know, so, you know, you remember that thing a couple of years ago, the airlines, you know, they overbooked the airline. They dragged the guy off the, that happens in hotels more than airlines. Okay. It's ah. called, it's called overbooking. And then they walk you when you get there. Ah, they do that. Okay. Yeah. I see. It's all about revenue management and it's a horrible practice. So, so what do you use? I use trip.com almost exclusively now, no matter where I am in the world. And this is not a, <laughs> they're not, not a sponsor. sponsor. It's not a sponsor. But maybe they will become. <laughs> I would love it. I would love but it. But if you work for Sidtrip or yeah. trip.com, mm -hmm. give us a call. So Sidtrip and trip.com, same thing? Same thing. Yeah. It, when the beginning was always Sidtrip and in China, it's still Sidtrip. But if you go to Sidtrip.com or trip.com, it's the exact same website. So uh, they've actually expanded and now internationally it's trip.com. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, have you not used it, uh, Fernando? No, I only use booking.com. But I have a question. I mean, is there um, a trick as to which currency to you view the hotels. I mean, because mm. sometimes I view it in dollars, but I said, no, just give it to me in RMB because I don't know what. Is there a trick to that? I think there is a lot more than that, but yeah. As far as getting a better price? Yeah. Oh, I, mean, um, I haven't noticed one. I, I simply, there's toggles in the upper right-hand corner of the website. You put it in English, and then you put the currency that you want. And yeah. I always do RMB because you mean that's, that's my trip. money. You know? That's in trip.com. That's in trip. But okay. most, most of these, these are, these are aggregators. So how it works is a hotel will say, we will give this aggregator 20 rooms. Mm -hmm. So they release 20 rooms to be sold on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, and they give a price. 
and oftentimes the price is very, very low. You get to the hotel, you buy off an aggregator, and then the front office management will see what price you're paying and then rack and stack your room based on that price. So you pay more money, you get a better room. If you buy off these aggregators, you're paying less money, you're going to get a shitty room. So you don't <laughs> even know, right? Yeah. It's easy trick. Well, it also depends on occupancy. If they're heavily occupied, then you're going to get the crappy room. Right. But if there's very little occupancy and you get a good price, chances are you're going to get a great room. We wouldn't know, but he would know. Exactly. I just know all the tricks of the trade, man. But, but that's interesting what you said. I, don't, yeah. I never had the experience of this kind of uh, the price play with, with the currency. Because other people like other YouTubers um, that you know, that are currently in California, they were saying that if you use a VPN, you can change the location and the prices will be different. That's about location and mostly about cookies. And that I know about flights. Does it, is, it, is it the same with hotel rates? I don't know. For, you know what I, I mean, right? The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah so they know you're, you're looking you're, at something. Mm -hmm. and for example, uh, tourists from China pay more than tourists from Colombia, for example. So if you just search I've using heard, a Colombia Or you VPN, just know that you keep looking about on the same thing? Yep. So they will. I've heard that. It, uh, I've heard rumors that that happens with certain hotels, but I've never experienced it personally. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about um, what are your strategies for getting a better deal. Uh, there's there's many. You know, there's many. It depends on the type of hotel you want to go to and what part of the city you want to go to. So, uh -huh. for example, if uh, if you're going to go to a, a city center. Mm -hmm. you know, and stay in a business hotel, obviously the rates on the weekends are lower, whereas the resort hotels are higher on the weekends. Makes if you, sense. Yeah, so that's one thing you got to think about. Seasons, obviously, you mm -hmm. know, summer's going to be higher almost where you, everywhere you go. Um, Seasonal events like the Canton Fair Absolutely, here in 100%. You know, you got to, what, what events are in? Is the NBA in town? You know, things like this. Uh, also, occupancy. You know, if uh, you call ahead and say, hey, you guys are very busy, and they say, oh yeah, we're very slammed, and you're not going to get a good rate. Mm -hmm. You know, but he said, no, no, things are looking good. And I said, do you have any events in the hotel? And they said, oh, we have a wedding. You know, so if you have one wedding, it's okay. But if you have a conference, psh, you ain't getting nothing. So, <laughs> so it's understanding what's happening at the hotel and around the hotel. The business at the time that you're planning on going. Yes. So you... It takes a lot of research to get a good deal. So you, you go online, you go on trip.com and you do other things. It's, yeah, you don't you call, only go talk. online. Like no. everybody would just go online, trip.com, look, 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 look. Maybe they will look at other websites too. And they, they will not call the hotel. Yeah. People don't do that. Well, if you call the hotel, ask to speak to the front office manager. Don't ask to speak to the salesperson because they're going to sell you. Mm -hmm. You know, the front office manager, and you have to speak their language. You have to understand, okay, how's your occupancy? You know, uh, what kind of discount can I get off the rack rate? Um, but are, are they like... Uh, willing to to facilitate this information, hundred percent. Yeah, you just have to ask. They want to sell you a that, room. This is an interesting thing that you were talking about during the preparation that we were doing. Um, most people that go to a hotel, what do they do when they go to the hotel? Yeah, when we get to the front desk, <laughs> they just here's my booking. Yeah, here, hurry they up, just go yeah. in. You know, just give me my room. They don't really pay attention uh, to you're anyone. You're taking too long. Come on, fighty up. Uh, why is there only one person yeah. behind the desk? I have to wait 10 minutes to yeah. check so in. So what do you tell our viewers and our listeners out there to do? What's the right way to do it? Well, I think it's, you mentioned it's... Uh, uh, it's good advice for anything. Yeah. yeah. Just be nice. <laughs> Meaning? The smile is the international um, symbol of friendship, right? <laughs> you can walk around, you can walk around the most dangerous neighborhoods in the world with a smile and people will smile right back at you. People will be afraid of it's you. True. What's he yeah. got to laugh about? <laughs> My wife would agree. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, if easy to for, easy to forget. Yeah, and it's not just with hotels. I mean, when I'm on an airplane, the stewardess or excuse me, flight attendant, uh, you ask, "Hey, what's your name?" Ah, oh, yeah, you got a long flight, huh? Well, thank you for working. To, thank you for working my flight. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Here, here, let me get you a beer. Here you go. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, and it's it's reciprocal. You know, right. You you give friendly friendliness in the world. It comes right back to you. Law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's good. <laughs> so what some uh, interesting hotel experiences you had around here in China? What can you tell us about, like, about maybe the best hotels you stayed at? Yeah. Um, I've had some interesting experiences. Again, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't mean it's the nicest hotel in the world or the most comfortable bed mm-hmm. or the most amenities or the biggest Uh, it's all about the experience that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as large resort hotels, the best one was the Mayfield in Qingyuan. It's a sprawling development with homes and malls and apartments. And they have an incredible resort with a attached hot springs. Um, it was pricey. You How know, much would uh, someone uh, pay for something like that? Uh, I paid, I think, 1,200 RMB a night. But that okay. included the hot springs for me and my guests. Hot springs is all, all year long, right? You, oh, usually, yeah. 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 But people go more in the winter? Uh, spring and fall. Okay. Know, yeah. Okay. So summertime is just too hot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that it was first class property, first class restaurant, first class hot hot springs, wonderful experience mm-hmm. all the way around. Um, but I mentioned the Planet Hotel in Guangzhou, which is a three star. I would call it a three star hotel, a small little boutique hotel in the Liwan district that most people have never heard of, but it's such a unique concept. And those are the hotels that have lasting memories. I can stay at a Sheraton, I can stay at a Hilton, but they're all the same at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? The ones that give right. you a unique stay, those are the ones that have lasting memories. So and that's was, ultimately why you stay in a hotel. What was unique memories. about this one? The it, hotel. Had a, it had a theme of space. <laughs> you know, like the, I, the, there were aliens everywhere. And it, everything was white. It, it looked like it was designed by Apple. Uh-huh. Everything was just white, bubbly, you know, and uh, the carpets were f- super plush. So when you walked on them, you really felt you were weightless and walking on the moon. Those little <laughs> attention, attention to detail was fantastic. The shower had like 12 shower heads and music playing, you know, and it was uh, incredible food too and friendly service, just a wonderful experience all the way around and maybe 100 rooms total. Oh. Hmm. Uh, three stars, but one planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how much was that? Like that kind of nice experience. Um, that night I paid about 400 RMB. It was during the spring festival about uh, two years ago. It's about 60 no. bucks. That's yeah, no. it was very reasonable. Yeah. Now that you mentioned this is stars, um, I wanted to talk about the star system here in China. Is it comparable to stars in the West? For example, a five-star hotel, four-star hotel in the West, is it similar here? How does that work? Does it compare? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, no. The star symbol here doesn't mean anything. You know, you stay at an, an A tour that claims it's a five star hotel, and in reality, it's a three star in the West. The, the star system, the diamond systems are managed by um, actual rating companies, mm-hmm. and they have to meet certain uh, standards. And we're not talking about standards of necessarily cleanliness, but amenities are the number one thing. Your property needs to have a swimming pool, a fitness center, a spa, multiple. Uh, multiple restaurants. restaurants. Yeah. Uh, so just because you have great service doesn't make you a five-star property. And that is thrown around left and right here. Yeah. And in China, it typically you get what you pay for. So here in Dongguan, I'm staying at the Pullman, mm-hmm. which is an internationally known five-star brand. 
So it's going to be pretty legit. And I got a good rate, very good rate during this time, right? But there are other hotels here in this town that claim to be five-star that I know for a fact are not. And the price is 200 RBN. What are the telltales of a five-star hotel that's advertised a five-star hotel, but it's not really a five-star yeah. hotel? Uh, my experience is, uh, with, the re with the exception of the Wanda brand, which is a fantastic Chinese brand and one that I highly recommend, uh, If it's a Chinese-managed hotel that is more than five years old, that hotel has not been renovated or taken care of. It might have been a five-star property when it first opened, mm -hmm. but after cuts and revenue drops, <laughs> uh, the amenities start closing, the restaurants cut their hours, right. uh, they have limited room service, and the rooms smell like smoke. Right. So that's, uh, that's my, been my experience in China, unfortunately. How often a hotel needs to do renovation? Typically once every five years would probably be best. Um, but you don't have to do renovation if you have good maintenance. housekeeping, maintenance, a recurring maintenance program. That means you have to take certain rooms out of inventory, take everything out, replace the carpets, because mm -hmm. the carpets are the number one thing you have to replace in a hotel. Right. Yeah. Better not have a carpet. Yeah. Carpets and mattresses. Right. Yeah. So... You take all that out, you deep clean the room, put everything back, it's out of circulation for a few days, but you have to have a recurring cycle for that. How If you don't have that, then you're kind of... How about the bed? I mean, after all, it's a hotel, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Sheraton was like, uh, maybe many brands, uh, they boast their, their uh, bed pillows and stuff like that. Would they, you agree that that's super important? Maybe. <laughs> maybe? Um, Uh, it depends on your liking. Here in China, people like hard beds. Right. Uh, as a Westerner, I like very soft bed. Right. And you can't please everybody. So I have seen many hotels. There's one here in Dongguan that, that has, they're right next to a mattress factory and they're like sponsored by this mattress factory. And so when you go there, you can ask for a certain type of mattress oh, and pillow. Wow. Okay. So that's actually what they specialize. It's the, the, the Richie. Oh yeah. yeah, Richie. Yeah. Richie, hotel. The 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 um, old guy who's supposed to have a monkey job, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> th his, that that hotel is got a connection with a mattress company right next to it. All right. Mm. All right. I'm gonna start with the first question. Yeah. So you're from LA. Yep. Shaq or Kobe? Uh, Kobe. Mm. What's your reasoning for this? Uh, I actually went to high school with Kobe's wife. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's very right. famous now. Well, uh, she, she was the same high school. I, uh, when I was a senior, she was a freshman. Did uh, you go to games when living in LA? Never been to a Laker game in my life. Always watched them on, on, okay. on TV because Chick Hearn was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next one. Uh, going the same line. LA or New York? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this, I guess. <laughs> um, LA is my home. It's where my heart is. But as far as a city goes, New York. Why? There's an energy, an international energy there that is unlike anywhere else in the world. And the history of New York is, is, is the history of America. And I'm a big fan of American history. So you spend a lot of time there? The no, past? I haven't. I have spent uh, a few weeks here, a few weeks there. And every time I go, I have the time of my life. Is there any city in China or in Asia that would compare to Hong Kong? To Hong Kong? Oh, to sorry. <laughs> that would compare to New York? Yeah, Hong Kong. Are you yeah. thinking about that? I, uh, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's my answer. Yeah, Hong Kong <laughs> is, is my second favorite city in the world. So even though LA is my home, uh, yeah, Hong Kong is just like New York, only with uh, so uh, a little bit like better. Third? 
in the list now. LA is my home. You know, my heart is in LA. It's the, family. The, they say France, they yeah. say you need you need to you need to uh, live in uh, LA at least once, but live before it makes you too soft. And yeah. you need to live in New York at least once, but live before it makes you too hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very. I've never lived in New York, but I lived in of LA. all the places I've been. New York is. New York is fun. Yeah, I live there, and it's uh, it never stops. It's, it's true. It's yeah. incredible. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, is your turn, sir? Is it me? Okay. <laughs> all right. So I like, I like this. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about a hotel. So yeah. Hyatt or Sheraton? Hyatt. Oh, Hyatt. that was yeah. fast. Yeah. Sher- Sheraton in China and Asia is a very high-end brand. But back in the States, Sheraton is not that great a brand. It's pretty low, low-level low properties. Right. Uh, Hyatt and the Hyatt brothers do a very good job with their management. Right. There's All some right. interesting stories about uh, Hyatt and Sheraton in Dongguan. Maybe we'll get to talk about it soon. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that was, a, yeah. that was an easy one. That was yeah. an easy answer. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Chinese girls or Western girls? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, look, I live in China. I li- <laughs> yeah. I live in China. I live in China. So right now, Chinese girls. Mm-hmm. But girls. Is okay, I have answer. a question about this. Did you like Asian girls before you came to China? I like girls. The thing with Asian... <laughs> Look, look, I've dated every kind of girl you can imagine you okay. know, in my life. I'm, I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have any children. Uh, so all of my girlfriends have been varied, you know, I've dated. Because I didn't. Imagine, you know? When I first came to China, I did not find Chinese women attractive. Really? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if it was guys, it, was, it would be okay too, by the way. You know, you like girls, <laughs> you like girls. <laughs> and when we have a girl here, we'll ask about the guys. Yeah. Don't think we're like. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. not like we are trying to, no. <laughs> I, my thing is, I like intelligent women. Right. It, it, you know, you could be a, a five in looks, but if you're a 10 in intelligence, you've got money. I think that know. with the Chinese girls, uh, one of my problems uh, is uh, not that they're not intelligent, but the cultural difference, uh, you know, it's you don't have the same topics to talk about. And, you know, it feels like maybe it feels like a difference in intelligence, but it's more like mentality and culture. And mm-hmm. that's uh, what I love about it, though. Yeah. You know, I, I, if I can, the more I can learn from somebody, the, the more interested I am, the more we can talk about. Right. I, I extrapolate this idea of intelligence to something very basic. I don't want uh, a yes girl. Yeah. yeah right. I want somebody exactly. who says, I want something like, uh, no. Why? Because. Okay, yes. explain. Yes. Let's have an argument. Let's mm. have it. I, I hate. I okay. 100% okay. agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it seemed like some, some girls here are like that. Yeah, so, you're going to find girls yeah. like that everywhere. Right, <laughs> yeah. Well, you so know. So regardless of yeah. where they're from, a uh, yes girl, a girl that doesn't have her own, own mind, opinions, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't stand that. Right. But, you know, even the ones that don't, you know, then you I'm get gonna married. I'm going to cut this uh, on the edit <laughs> so my wife doesn't hear this. <laughs> then yeah. you get married and uh, <laughs> things change. All right. Your turn, Ziv. All right. Um, Air Force or Navy? Air Force. Right. Yeah, that's an easy one, man. I'm an Air Force civil engineer, dude, and it's a huge part of my personality, the best decision I ever made. And I'm still very active in the veterans, uh, in the veteran how does world. It, how does it um, show in your personality? I mean, what would you say is one of the... You know, in Israel, uh, I don't know if it's the same in the US Army or in Israel. Air Force. <laughs> yeah, in Israel, Air Force is like, yeah, Air Force, they're like right there. The highest. Yes. Uh, you have certain kind of, uh, you know, aura to you or, or something, they think at least. So I don't know, is it the same? There's that perception in the world, but if you ask any airman, marine, army, soldier, or sailor, we're all brothers in arms, regardless. Mm-hmm. So we all wear the same flag on our 
on our shoulder. But I think there is a special unit pride. I guess Navy would say the same. Navy, you know, it's... Oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's definitely a friendly rivalry between the services. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, in the veterans groups, we're all brothers in arms. So... I I know that you recently bought a car, so we're going to talk about uh, that yeah. also. So manual or automatic? Manual. Yeah. Manual is just... I wouldn't, I wouldn't think... Do you drive American. manual now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You do? Okay. In fact, that was a big decision. I did not want an automatic in, in the car I chose. I looked everywhere for a manual. Mm -hmm. uh, not just for the maintenance reasons. You know, it's you know, an automatic transmission will go out and... Because you and I... Yeah. <laughs> But manual is more engaging, mm -hmm. more fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just enjoy it more. What yeah. about in, uh, in America? What in America, um, I've had both. My uh -huh. I have a, a Mitsubishi Montero uh, mm -hmm. still in America uh, with an automatic mm -hmm. because uh, the American version of it, you couldn't get a stick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, old school. Manual is nice. I agree. But till then you're stuck at uh, 6 p.m. traffic on uh, Dongguan Dadao or uh, somewhere. And then, you know... It's nice. It's a nice idea, but then in the end, you know, I want an automatic. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. When my wife was doing the, the driving course, they give her an option. You can learn, well, for automatic, and you'll take your test in an automatic, or you take a manual, and you take your test on, oh, on a manual. I can't yeah. even I believe they, they teach on automatic now. I told her, like, <laughs> you're doing the manual. You need to learn the, the real thing. Of course. <laughs> the real thing. Don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about your car. with yeah. the, You know, it didn't even have a transmission. You know, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think by the time my kids will drive, there would not be a choice. It will be automatic, right? So you'll be able to tell your It'll AI where electric. to take you. Yeah, exactly. Just about. You don't need to press anything. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, is this the last question? No, no, no. No, we got one more. Okay. Yeah. So um, training center, teaching, I guess, or uh, university? Uh, that really depends on what you want out of it. If a uh, training center is a great thing for you to gain hours and experience, and the support systems in most of the larger training centers are fantastic, You're going to make a lot more money, uh, but you work your tail off. And uh, in a university, uh, your per hour compensation is higher, but uh, your aggregated compensation is lower because you're not working as much. So in my university, I don't work very much at all, and I get five months off paid. Right. So for me, it allows the freedom to, to travel, to do the things that I love to do, and... Uh, That's why I chose the university. I've heard that a lot about university teaching. And uh, I guess if you're a lazy person, it's not good. But I mean, if mm. you do something else like you do, the YouTube mm. channel traveling or, you know, a writer or something like mm. that, then it's a good thing. It's yeah. the perfect thing. And, right. and it gives me the not only the freedom to travel, but um, a different type of experience. Right. You know. that's, that's what I always tell people. And, and I've talked about this before in this channel and this, this podcast is that I think that that's the best first job a foreigner can have. I agree. Yeah. Teacher um, or university? university. university. Oh, university. Oh. University. Because you're taken care of and, and things are done at a slower pace so you can adjust. Even yeah, if it's for one term or one year. But and again, you need to be careful. It, you know, yeah, a 22-year-old that's lazy and it comes for that, you know. Not only that, the support systems are really not there at a university. You're really left to your own devices. You know, so in, in a training center, they hold your hand every step of the way. I think it depends mm -hmm. on the, on the yeah. training center. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. I got the last one. I got the last one, sir. Yeah. We've got here. I think I know the answer to this one. But anyway, weights or cardio? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, that's a great question. I want to say both. Because uh, <laughs> I, I can't I, get both. I, can't. Can't. I love weight training. You know, I, I love it. But I also love running in the hills. Uh -huh. And yeah, so I think about well, This is something that I see a lot. I mean, 
the name of a YouTube channel is Walkabout Rojo. Mm. Why Walkabout? A great question. You know, Walkabout comes from the uh, uh, the natives in Australia. Uh, when a young man reaches maturity, he will then go on a walkabout into the bush to discover himself. And you know, that can take anywhere from six months to a year. And of course, my interpretation of what walkabout is, is much more personal. Mm-hmm. And it's a discovery, discovery of yourself and discovery of the world around you. So walkabout doesn't necessarily mean walking through a city and looking at things. It's a discovery of food, people, experience, and most importantly, yourself. So when people watch my videos, they are walking about with me as I discover it. I don't pretend to be the expert on anything. I'm trying to learn as I go along. Bring you with me. That's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. Now, let us continue talking a little bit about hotels because we were not done with the topic, okay? Right. Yes. Um, we live in Guangdong and, uh, well, anybody who's lived in Guangdong long enough has had the opportunity, perhaps, of spending a night or two in Hong Kong. Yeah. What's, what's the hotel scenery in Hong, in Hong Kong like? Hong Kong is one of the most uh, competitive hotel markets in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one in Bangkok are probably the two high on. New York is up there as well, in Paris. Uh, but Hong Kong is one of the pinnacle places in the world. If you're uh, uh, in a hotel uh, professional, Hong Kong is one of the places you want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have all the international brands. They have some one-off, you know, that the peninsula you mentioned is one of the most recognized hotels in the world and it's the experience there has got to be as a, as an employee it's got to be amazing mm. yeah what 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 do you need to pay uh, a lot for, <laughs> no for like a, a, a decent hotel in hong kong i mean i haven't i haven't stayed in a hotel in hong kong for a long time honestly uh, uh, well but uh, people who go through hong kong come uh from all walks of life and all budgets that's true so have you ever stayed at one of them uh Chongqing Mansion kind Chunking of places. Mansion, that's the one, right? Chongqing Mansion. Uh, Nathan, 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 Nathan Road. Road. Yeah. <laughs> they have other mansions too, right? No, I have not. <laughs> no? I, no? No. Never. Now, if I'm in Hong Kong, I'm staying at a very nice one-off property that will give me a great experience. Uh-huh. Yeah. Give us a, a, an example. Uh, I stayed at the Rosewood, which was fantastic. Uh, the other one was the, uh, the Ritz-Carlton. You know, I had a friend of mine who, I used to work at Ritz-Carlton, so I, I had a friend of mine who was working there. It's the tallest hotel in the world, or it was at the time. I think it still is. Is this uh, Central? No, it's in uh, uh, Chimshap Choi. Yeah, Chimshap Choi. Oh, okay. Right next to the ferry terminal. It's the largest, okay. ho- tallest hotel in the world. Fantastic experience. Right. Yeah. Nice view. Yeah, I, I, got it for, I, got, I got it for 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, normally you're going to pay 300 or US, it, right. or not more, uh-huh. you know, for right. property like that. So, so um, yeah, I mean, uh, anything you need to know specifically for when you go to Hong Kong to stay in a hotel, because a lot of people even, you know, go through Hong Kong and go to other places, right? Um, I think I remember that like, okay, hotel, still a small room, Hong Kong is what is eight, nine hundred, maybe a thousand. Maybe. Yeah, you can find them cheaper than that. I can I can stay in Hong Kong in a fairly decent three star, four star for about a hundred dollars. Hundred dollar, yeah, right? Yeah, so about six, seven hundred dollars. What's the the least you paid, Fernando, to stay the in Hong Kong? The least I paid. Yeah, okay, least. this is back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when yeah. you were twenty years ago, like back yeah. in the day, visa, visa runs and whatnot. Visa runs, yeah. Yeah, and you had to stay overnight to pick up your passport yeah. the next day. Um, two fifty. 
250 Hong Kong dollar. 250 and you would sleep with your clothes on because mm -mm. mm. <laughs> I think I paid 150. Yeah, I think it was someone's apartment. Well, that was also back in the day. Nowadays, of course, it's ridiculously cheap. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, last summer, definitely. Now, if now you, right you now, yeah, there, to 2020, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be I cheap usually, now when I go with my family, with my wife and my, my in-laws, sometimes when we go to visit, we stay at the, um, what's it called, uh, Baden Powell? The, the Boy Scouts Hotel. Oh, okay. Baden Powell is the, the, the creator founder, of the Boy Scouts, founder yeah, of the Boy Scouts. founder of the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Uh, great hotel, great price, great location of the, um, uh, the Kowloon Park. And and uh, not pricey at all. That's a good recommendation. Man. Well, I think uh, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been for a while. I haven't needed to uh, stay there, but now I have a couple of friends with the nice places, so I think that's the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I have another question because when you talk about staying places, traveling, whatnot, going on a budget, and what's up, uh, what about Airbnb? What can you tell us about Airbnb? Have you ever stayed on an Airbnb here in China? What do you what do you tell us about Airbnb? I can't tell you very much, honestly, because I never used Airbnb in my All life. Right. Yeah, so, uh, but you have, right? Yeah, but I mean, the hotels, uh, are they afraid of that? I mean, are they worried about Airbnb? Did this uh, I think hurt the hotel industry? I think initially everyone was really, really scared. Um, I think it hurts the apartment uh, community and the affordability of regular locals in the area because it jacks up rents. Mm. Uh, hotels are a much different experience, and so there's a differentiation that the hotels are actually... Uh, leaning into a lot more and saying, well, you know, Airbnb, you're not going to get uh, a restaurant attached. You're not going to have, right. you're not going to have the service. So that's the, that's, that's the selling point for hotels now. And they haven't been hurt by it. Mm -hmm. They really haven't. So. But maybe you're, it's more old school to want that. Maybe young people like just want their freedom in an Airbnb that they can, uh, they just want to play struck. Oh, I know, I know people, <laughs> I know people who, who have, you know, who have said, I'm never staying in a hotel again. It's going to be Airbnb for forever. Right. For me, I don't understand. I don't want the, I don't like the appeal of Airbnb. I don't want to stay in someone's house. I want to stay in a hotel. I, I want those amenities and that convenience. But a hotel person can actually uh, get property and make a few rooms and with, with an honest, uh, uh, you know, desire, desire to give good service. Someone like you, for example, yeah. To open like a place that's basically on Airbnb, but is like really nice and give all the services and, you know, yeah. right? that can happen. There's regulation issues with that going on right now. You know, oh. Are you now a hotel management company? Oh. Are you running a hotel? Do you need to pay occupancy tax now? Uh, so there's lots of different things that people are still working out. Like for how many rooms or something well, like that? Well, how many rooms, how you're managing it. I mean, are you the owner? Are you a manager of it? You know, right. it, mm -hmm. Occupancy tax, what I do that? <laughs> so if every, you know, taxes and fees and regulations as far as, you know, fire and, you know, it's there's uh, okay. a lot of different things okay. that go into running a hotel that um, Airbnb is not subject to. You, you have experience in booking hotels and, and looking at advertisement and picking what's true, what's not true. <laughs> um, there is a tendency that you mentioned when we were doing the preparation for this podcast talking about um, uh, apartments that are just not hotels. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how can you tell, what's the telltale that a, a place is not a hotel, it's just an apartment? It's got a kitchen. It's got a kitchen. Yeah, there that's, go. that's the number one thing. Yeah. All right. Or even just a little kitchenette. Because hotels, hotels kitchen. don't want you cooking in the room. They want you eating in the restaurant. If you see a kitchen, walk away. Yeah.
Are we ready with the next game, uh, Fernando? Yeah, okay. so let's start. There's another our, game? There's another game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. The game is here. <laughs> this one is called What's Up With That? What's up with that? So what we're going <laughs> to okay. do is we go through your social media to your WeChat account, to your Facebook and all these things, and oh, we look shit. for something that's a little bit, huh, that we would like to know a little bit about. Well, Fernando, so, was, Fernando was nosy a bit earlier. And uh, yeah. what did you find? Um, really? Oh, well, first of all, um, this is a question that I have because, Sorry. well, I have an opinion about it, but I want you to tell me. Um, what's this about? Oh, this video here. Yeah. So this is in Cebu, Philippines. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was on Walkabout there during Spring Festival a couple of years ago. And uh, I love marine uh, biology. I love mm -hmm. scuba diving. I grew up doing this my whole life. My family's huge in it in many different aspects. And I had the opportunity to swim with the whale sharks there. How do you feel about that? It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, mm. now, it's that, that, that big fish, yeah? It's a big <laughs> fish. It's a, big it's fish. a, it's a, a humongous it, fish. Yeah, it's a fabulous and beautiful fish that you can get in the water with. Mm -hmm. Now, you're not supposed to touch them, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, I totally support that. You know, these are wild animals. How but do you feel about the idea that, that these animals are just there because they're fed every day? And, I mean, it's not, I don't know. Do you think it changed, you mean in the fact that it changes their natural uh, behavior? behavior? Are they, are, yeah. they, are they caged? No, no they're, they're not, caged. not caged. No, but that's the thing. I mean, if you feed them every day, they just keep calling for the Coming food. Coming back, yeah. Yeah. They need a lot of food. And they develop some of the issues. For example, I don't know, uh, you know you, your marine biology a little bit. They, they learn to swim horizontal, uh, sorry, kind of like inclined, yeah. not horizontally. They swim like this because they're just looking up at the, at the boats and, and that's not natural. And that's actually not good for them as well. Um, and the other thing is that, well, yes, they always tell you don't, don't touch the whales, but there's always going to be the yeah. a-hole. So why not touching the whales? Because you could infect them. You could pass some kind of virus, bacteria, whatever, ah. or remove some of the protective layers of whatever it is that they have. So, yeah. It's you, generally a good rule. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about it, just like I do with, with zoos. Yeah. I mean, let me, let, me, let me be fair and say that I did go. Oh, okay, you did it too. Yeah. And I did it too. And then when I came out of it and I read about it, I'm like, oh, I, w I wish I hadn't. Here's, here's my thing. It's the same thing with zoos and aquariums, you know. Um, the vast majority of these animals are left to the, on their own and they're out in the wild. Uh, when things like this happen or a zoo has an animal, uh, I, it's a sacrifice. Um, it's sad to see caged animals. I get that. But at the same time, those animals are educating us about those animals, mm -hmm. whereas normally we would never have any experience with them or seeing them firsthand. So I have mixed feelings about it. There is a line somewhere, right? Some, somewhere, I don't know if we're crossing it or I, not. I just, so I just, I just started watching the Netflix, the craziness, the, the, the new thing. What is it? The Tiger King. Have you heard about no, it? No. no. no that's, uh, <laughs> it's too much. I'm not, okay. I'll tell you later. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. Though. Right, look at it's this one. some crazy yeah. show, yes. All right, let's go with another picture. Well, this one right here, Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So we talked briefly about this. Mm -hmm. You bought a Chinese secondhand car. Yes. Okay. Why that choice? Why a, why a Chinese car? Or? Why a Chinese why, car? What's the car? It's, it's, a, a, it's a Havel H6. Yeah, a Great Wall Havel H6. Okay. And it's Havel, a, yes. Okay. Yeah. I've and it's... I got a Chinese car. I like it. I yeah. got BYD. That was one of my first cars was the Great Wall. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most of the, I said I wanted a Chinese car because they're cheaper. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, but uh, I wanted a good quality one. And almost all my friends said, well, the Haval is, or the Havel, excuse me, is one of the best quality uh, SUVs that you can get. And they are a little bit more pricey than some of the other brands. 
and I looked at the other brands and I drove many cars. I spent a lot of time and patience. Because I remember you, you, you kept saying, oh, I want to buy a car, I want to buy a car, mm -hmm. I want a car. It took you a while. A long time, yeah. I, I took a, because uh, I wanted to find the, the perfect fit for you the do your research. Car. Yeah, I did. I was, I didn't remember, you don't need a car in China. It's, it's a tool or a toy. Mm -hmm. And that's what I bought it for. I saved up. I knew I was buying a toy and not a daily driver. At what point did you decide to buy a car? As if <laughs> it took me 10 years. I was here for wow. 10 years before wow. I bought a car, uh, six, in seven Dong years Dong? ago. Yes. Yeah. And um, I think... Uh, was it a big decision? Was it a big... I mean, because we all feel like we are here, but are we here forever? Are we... You know what I mean? It changed our life. Um, because... Well, I had kids. I mean, I had uh, one child and my child, my second child was born mm. and two kids. I got a boxer dog. Mm -hmm. um, so, and you know, again, 6 p.m. taxis, raining. I mean, from work every day. No, no metro yet. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, no subway. Because today I don't drive. I take the metro. I leave the car at home for really? my wife. She oh. doesn't even need to drive it much, but I take the metro. It's nicer. You get to walk, right? Because it's convenient enough. Mm. But uh, back then it wasn't. And, um, you know, when you get a car, you realize, oh, man, I didn't really know the city until now. Yeah. <laughs> Because you just go from point A to point B, right? You say you don't really need a car in China. You mean, I guess, DD, taxis, easy, cheap, right? Yeah. That's what you mean, yeah, right? That and public transportation. So, yeah, yeah, but then you don't get the discovery. Yeah. You don't... You, you do get the getting lost. Yeah. Yeah, you need to get and lost. your way back. And today <laughs> I know the city so well. You know, so it's nice. But again, I prefer not driving if there is good public transportation. Hmm. Yeah. So you waited how many years to buy the car? Four years? Yeah, just about. It was a, my four-year anniversary. I bought it. Yeah. Was, <laughs> it, was it an important decision or you knew that it was going to be something you were going to do? Well, when I first came to China, I didn't know I was going to stay. Like you were saying, it's yeah. kind of a commitment to stay a little bit longer. And then when I started making the commitment, okay, I'm going to be here a while. Um, and I exhausted all of the places I can get to by public transportation and DD and stuff. And I'm a hiker, you know, I love to explore the mountains and the buses don't go to the trailheads. Yeah. So, you know, it just seemed like a natural fit. This is not a daily driver. I walk 20 meters to my classroom every day. So <laughs> this is for me a tool to get to the trailheads and a toy on the weekends. That's Can we talk a little bit more about cars? So you sure, said yeah. you, you said you, you uh, tested many different yeah. Chinese cars. Chinese cars. Only Chinese cars. Yeah, because the foreign cars I've, I've got experience with back home. So right. the Chinese cars are not There was nothing home. to discover, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what did you discover? Uh, that the, the quality of modern Chinese cars is fantastic. And I think that the world is going to be awoken to... to uh, Chinese uh, vehicles when they come to the, especially in America, I think the, what's the brand going to America? Neo. What? Well, Neo, your, your car. He's Neo. just thinking yeah. about I know. Yeah, yeah, I can Neo. see his eyes. And he's your, like, your car is driving pretty, all day. He's like, and just he's like, thinking about Neo. Your car Neo, is Neo. pretty kick-ass, man. I, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, totally before we get to Fernando's car, yeah. which is awesome, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I didn't even believe that there are Chinese cars like that. Mm. But I got a BYD, right? Yeah. So BYD S6 SUV, it's more than six years old now. Yeah. Um, still good. I think I'm going to have it forever. I don't think I'm going to sell it. I think maybe I'll just buy another car. Well, the, the BYDs for a long time were notoriously horrible quality, but then they got a huge investment from Warren Buffett. Right. Yeah. And, he had, and it changed. His picture is in every BYD dealership. You know, you know as, as things change in China so quickly, just the cities and everything, so is the quality of the vehicles. BYD used to be just a battery company, I believe. 
uh, many, many, many years ago. Build yeah. your dream. Yeah, <laughs> and now it builds your dream. But yeah. uh, so you tried which one? Uh, you tried the BYD, I guess? I, I didn't. I've ridden in the BYDs and I knew it's okay. not something I want. I just don't like the, the design of them. They're not for it's me. A, yeah. I, I got it. Basically, it's a copy of uh, Lexus. So you have the Great Wall. I have the Great Wall, the Wall. Mm. What else? You tr- what Havel. Havel is the Havel. model of a Havel. Great Wall is the, the company. Yeah, the Great Wall is the company. Havel is the company. What else you tried? I tried the Baojun. Baojun? Yeah, Baojun is a, it's like three different Chinese companies came together to create this this brand. It's aimed at second tier cities. It's an affordable brand that is geared towards a younger Generation. It's not a electric car, right? No, no. They're no. So when they make s- electric cars now, I believe. When you say, uh, you know, for people they're getting an idea about China, when you say uh, it's it's very reasonably priced, um, wh- how how much you need to pay to get a, a decent car here? Like a new car or a used car? Uh, I mean, I mean, even used. The used cars I looked at, um, mine was twenty eight thousand, but I got a great deal on it. So twenty eight thousand. That's about a little over four grand. Four grand. Yeah, for a used, it's a. Eight what model old. is it? It's eight. an H6. It's uh, twelve. It's eight years old, and it had ninety-seven thousand kilometers, so about six thousand miles mm-hmm. on it. So I got it for four grand, and this is a very, very good car. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the cars that I looked at originally were uh, three to four years old, mm-hmm. and they were around fifty to sixty thousand RMB, uh, depending on the brand, of course. Obviously, Hondas and Toyotas are much more expensive. Yeah, yeah. we did a we did an article, a big story about second-hand cars years ago, and. Um, how how does it work now? Like you take it to a, a, a evaluator, you take it to the third party to to check, or like back home. So for the price, for the, you know, for second hand to check the car that you know nobody's lying, no accidents, no. Although the prices are, yeah, well, there's no yeah. blue book in China. No, but you, um, I, the the car was originally advertised for forty thousand, and oh. uh, yeah, so I got a heavy discount. Well, they talked it down, and they threw in the third party check, oil change, and transfer of ownership, everything. Is twenty eight wow. out the door, that and that's good. because I had a great negotiator <laughs> on, on my behalf, and <laughs> she has been hand- them. she has been handsomely rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you have the other Chinese cars like uh, like Fernando's. Well, that that one, and I also heavily looked at the Geely, which is owned by Volvo, or mm. Geely owns Geely. Volvo now. Yeah, yeah. which is a, a a wonderful brand, Chinese brand as well. I guess the Neo is all the brands together or something. No, no, ah, it's the other companies, not the brands. But you say it's Tencent and... I, oh, well, I, basically I, yeah. IT companies that came together. It's not to the car companies that car. came together. It's the IT companies. Um, they approach JAC. Okay. Um, and they develop the car. And basically they put all the uh, technology into the car. And JAC put the manufacturing of the car. Right. And uh, it's just it's just the most amazing car I've ever driven. Right. It's sick. I, it I'm is. very impressed with it. And, and it's very difficult to put into words and even video the, the build quality of the car. Because mm, we right. were talking about well, Chinese cars. There's a lot of plastic here, yes, a lot of plastic yes. there, but this thing is 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 beautifully made. Yes, I, I felt like I was in like a, a Mercedes BMW, some of these German cars. Right, it's surprising cars. for yeah. China. As much as I love China, yeah, they do have issues with details. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, your the attention car to is, detail in this one is pretty yeah, spot on. Very nice. All right, guys. So that was what's up with this. All right, so let's continue with our interview. Paul, um, you just finished going through a, or I think you're not finished actually. Well, this is a little bit of a, a particular scenario that we're going through right now that you've been out of your um, residence 
in the university. Mm. But with this situation that we experienced at the beginning of 2020, your YouTube channel has been showing us what it is like to be you in absolute isolation at the university. So how did that happen? Okay, what's it? What's your situation? Or what was your situation when you when you were locked up? Locked down? Sorry. Um, well, when you live on the university, uh, it's your home, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, my apartment is there. That is my home and I can come and go as I please. And uh, when things started going down, I was actually coming back from my road trip to Yangshuo. Mm -hmm. And uh, when as soon as I got back, uh, then they locked everything down. Now, I don't live in your typical garden. So the rules for a um, educational facility are much different than under different uh, administrators, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, they originally told me that you cannot leave. They told me, go to the supermarket right now, get enough food for two weeks, but uh, plan on being there indefinitely. What did you buy? Food. <laughs> what kind of food? Um, I, I, bought, <laughs> I, I bought lots of eggs, lots of orange juice, um, as much, as many oranges as I could, you know, lots of apples and um, I ate it all, man. A lot of frozen chicken, too. A lot yes. of frozen chicken, which they then told me to throw out because of an H5N1 yeah. outbreak <laughs> a couple of days later. You, so. you started growing vegetables? <laughs> no, no, I can grow there. But what ended up happening was um, about day 12, um, I ran out of food. I didn't have any. I had rice. That was it. And the rice was actually gifted to me by the university. So I had to beg the president of the college, hey, I need to go to the supermarket. And so they let me off to go to the supermarket. And even when I went, they were calling me every 10 minutes, asking me where I was, how much longer I'm going to be, get back as soon as you can. So you basically locked down 12 days by that point. Yes. And how do you talk to the university uh, president? I mean, is it on the phone, on, on WeChat? What is no, it? there's an intermediary. So uh, the university president doesn't speak English, so I would go through uh, an interpreter who would so then call the president. And so I mean, to, to give people the, the, the right picture, okay, this is a campus and you were the only person yes. on campus. The yeah, nobody else. How, what's the what's normal faculty size? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. There's usually thousands of people between the students. And you were the and only. I was <laughs> the like only one. The, the dorms are empty. The, the faculty housing is empty. The only ones there were myself and the security guards at the front gate. And don't like, forget the cats. Like and the, the cats. movies. Yeah. Go know. watch the videos. Yeah, yeah a lot movies of, like that. A lot right? of people said it, it was just like being uh, I Am Legend or The Omega Man or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah those kind of movies. I was stuck in a mall once for the whole night. It during was this fun. time? <laughs> Not during this time. <laughs> we were teenagers. My friend was working for Hagendaz. And uh, that day, the whole glass broke the shop's glass. So they asked him to stay overnight there. Just to watch the store. Yes, inside the <laughs> mall. So I was like, I'm staying with you. <laughs> so we had the whole mall. It's kind of fun, that right? It's kind of so cool, yeah. Why, what do you do in university when nobody's around? Do you go through, I guess everything is locked. I don't know. Although the, like, the, everything was roped off, you know, so the, the, as far as the classrooms, all the buildings, right. there is a faculty gym that I, I wasn't able to go to. I mean, everything was closed. Okay. The roadblocks were deep. They were literally barricades up everywhere. So... I couldn't ride my bike anywhere or drive I my car anywhere. I mean, from watching your videos, uh, the channel is Walk About Rojo. Um, I remember one of the most painful things when I watched his videos was that when things started going back to normal and you were still locked down, mm -hmm. like you knew people were out, mm -hmm. but because of this particular regulations, you couldn't go out. How, how did you handle that emotion? I mean, 
That was How very, did that hit you? It was very frustrating, actually, because, you know, I have friends and a girlfriend that, you know, lived right down the street and she couldn't come visit me. Nobody could come visit me. Um, <laughs> and I was running out of food and uh, having fresh food is very important to me. And I thank you very much for offering to bring me food, by the way. That was very sure. nice. It was something that that uh, uh, a good friend of mine was going to do. And his wife said, no, you can't go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I offered to bring masks and yeah, coffee, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I know we thought you about having a barbecue, by the, a barbecue by the, by the fence. Well, if, yeah, a friend of mine said, why don't we have a barbecue? You can cook on your side and you pass it through the gate. You know? by, by the way, being 12 days by your own, by yourself, you didn't need to wear a mask at all. No, I didn't. I only <laughs> had to wear a mask. Once a day, I had to go down to the security guard to have my temperature taken. Ah, you, yeah. Okay. So, and that's the only time I wore a mask. The rest of the time, I had a free reign of the campus, complete to myself, the running track, the basketball courts, everywhere. So what do you do in this kind of situation? <laughs> I made a video called My Chinese Groundhog Day, and it really felt like <laughs> that. You know, so, it is, so you wake up, you, you cook, you chat with your friends, and have spirited debates about what's going on, you watch a lot of movies and a lot of TV. Right? The internet was okay. Yeah, um, the internet was fine. Yeah, no okay. problems with the internet. And uh, Not sharing it, so... Nobody's around, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so it's great. So it right. was, that was wonderful. But I got used to the peace and quiet. I slept a lot. Okay. Uh, you sleep really well at night. You take a nap in the afternoon. Did you get lazy or did you exercise and kept your morale up? That's a great question. Uh, at the beginning, I, I was gung-ho about making the best of this time and you know, learning more Chinese and <laughs> right. exercising like running everybody around on the track, else, like yeah. everybody. But around the end of the first week, it just got really old and I was getting a little stir crazy. And there was a point there, right? It yeah. happened to me too. When I mean, we were never locked down. Yeah, here uh, in Dungan we weren't. Yeah, but it was very recommended that we stay in. And I did stay in. I had like a few cases in my garden. Um, so I did stay in for a week. And even though I went out for like a 20-minute walk, still, and I was alone, my family were, uh, they were in the States. There is a point after a week where you're a bit like, you're starting to feel emotional. Mm. you like... You like, watch stuff and you, you cry more. You, you, you're more emotional. We were, we were talking about this, right? Um, how, how it's brought a lot of people to tears. I was telling you when we were having dinner. Yeah. Like, just, just watching the situation go down and, and people closing their businesses and mm. not being able to go anymore. It's, it's been tough. It's been tough. Right. When, I'll tell you what. When you publish that picture of all the green squares... I what? cried. All the squares were green. Ah, right. Right, that right, day I right. Because we published every day yeah, uh, the numbers. Uh, the numbers. And it went down and down and down and down. And then it got all green. There were for no, new, no new cases, right. no critical cases, and everybody had recovered. That yeah. day. Yeah, I right cried. now it's what, uh, March 30th, and we are 30 days without a new local case. At least that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> but and I'm still locked. Down on my You're campus. still locked down. I can leave once per day. You just ran away from home right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm allowed to leave once per day. So if I forget anything in the supermarket, I wait till the next day. But it took me, a, it was a progression. Originally, it was once every three days for two hours. And then once every other day for two hours. Now it's once per day. And whereas the rest of Guangdong does not have any restrictions, I still cannot have anyone come visit me on the campus. Something with the school, yeah, I've heard about that. And I've heard that happened a lot in, back in 2002, 2003 with the, with the other outbreak, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, with many schools. 
And uh, I, I wonder, did you find, did you connect with anyone online that maybe is uh, in the same situation as you anywhere in China? Uh, the YouTube community has actually been wonderfully supportive. Uh, Fernando has been great. Uh, all of the YouTubers out there that were going through the same thing. We, we chat groups. I'm friends with some of them, and it has been wonderful. Also, it's funny that my friends, my local friends that I hang out with all the time <clears throat> in the city, uh, we started sharing recipes and, oh, check out this movie. And I think we got closer as friends. Interesting. Even though we on were... On WeChat. Um, through WeChat, yeah. Even though we were far away from one another. We didn't see each other every day. I think that in everyday life, you don't have an opportunity to show that you care. It's like there's no need yeah. to show that you care. But when we are all in this, it, it kind of comes afloat and you want to share. Hey, are you yeah. okay? Uh, Unite more. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, a, you know, that's the, a nice silver lining. The funny thing was uh, recently I've gotten a lot of emails and messages from my friends back home. Mm. Whereas I, when I was in, in lockdown in and deep, isolated, yeah. when they the, were partying, there was nothing, no message. But as soon as it happened to them, I got a flood from old friends I haven't seen in a long, long time. Me too. And how did you guys handle this? Uh, yeah, it, well, it was that, but it was also, how are you? How are you? Are you okay? You know, yeah. and it was wonderful. To, it, I, I, forget, <laughs> I the time, forget the timing. I really loved reconnecting with some of yeah. those people. That, a lot of people are asking me now. A lot it's of very interesting because over the last five days I've had people that I haven't yeah, talked yeah. to in years yeah, me that too. are doing exactly the same. Yeah. And you know who you are. <laughs> I, I love talking to you no, guys. Yeah. I, I love, I like it too. It's you amazing know, how, ask, how the social distancing has bring, brought us all together mm. closer. But they're asking <laughs> for advice, you know, and, uh, I feel like we do have, uh, some kind of know how we can share. Mm. Um, as one of the threads, one of the things that I'm trying to do with my channel, try to share like how it's been, and how there is light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Like, like just hold your breath, you know, right. go under, wait for the wave to go. Right, and you know, we are foreigners living in China, and we have seen the Chinese people come together. And, it's uh, been an incredible thing to witness. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, uh, one of those things, there are many things that uh, people that haven't been here or haven't spent as much time as we can't understand. And, you know, they have biases, you know, yeah. misconceptions, and uh, they can't understand that. And we are seeing this, and uh, they did great, and they came together, like, as a mission to beat this. And, uh, and, and I think they've done it, you know. It's not done yet, but um, it's, it's something really, really nice to see. And that's what I think they are starting to understand now in the West. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're starting to understand it. Most people, at least, let's say. One thing that they don't understand, and I wanted to ask you your, your opinion on this, what do you think about the decision to, like, stop um, the influx of foreigners? What's your point of view on it's that? It's very fresh, right? Yeah. 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 Um, we all knew it was going to happen. You know, the writing was on the wall. I knew it had to happen. I, I, wrote, mm -hmm. I wrote my uh, editorial note for the April issue today, and uh, <clears throat> which you can read. <laughs> in April <laughs> and listen because I recorded uh, plug. audio <laughs> and uh, the first sentence I think uh, uh, I said that it's finally happened and I say finally because everybody else already did it all the other countries you know China I kept saying China hasn't closed its borders right so yeah it had to happen I agree with that um, let's see for how long though because mm. it may affect us in the end. That's a $60,000 question. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about it? Um, 
uh, we we talked earlier about this uh, in another video that that Paul was shooting, and I think is I welcome it is what had to be done. I'm afraid it was done a little bit late. And right. The reason why I say that it was done a little bit late is because it gave a window of opportunity for people to discriminate against foreigners. The whole thing about we were talking about like making t-shirts like there were some foreigners who left the country and there were some foreigners who stayed here and fought this together with the chinese we we were going through the same fears the same um uncertainty our businesses were hurting the same way but we stayed here and we fought it together but there is no way for a chinese population to tell what kind of foreigner are you when they see you on the street Now, I'm not blaming those that left at all, you know, um, if they had the opportunity and they felt they need to, to leave. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of foreigners would agree with what we're saying, but there are a lot of foreigners out there that, uh, that uh, would not, uh, foreigners that live in China. Sure. I no, mean. what I'm trying to say is that if, they ha if the government had done this, had done this a lot early, earlier, it would have been a lot easier for the Chinese community to know, okay, this guy has been here and he was here the whole time because... Otherwise, he wouldn't be roaming the streets. Right, right. Yeah, and and things happen, and people are maybe walking away from us in the street. Sometimes, did you mm -hmm. have it? Did you did it happen to you? Yeah, it's happened a couple. What times. do you feel when it happens? Well, I'm a good natured guy. I laugh it off, you know. But uh, it's it's unfortunate. It happened to me at a police station. You know, the police officer looked at me, and you know, I I didn't have any business there personally. I was there with a friend, but he was verbally and physically scared of me, and he just asked me to stand on the other side. And all the people around me in the line were actually very welcoming we were chatting up and they actually laughed <laughs> at, the, at the, the police officer the yeah. Guy, yeah. yeah so yeah. you know i just you know to make people comfortable i'm fine i'll go stand on the other side of the road it, it, it didn't bother me but i have been but if something further would happen it may get to the point you know? it might in but it hasn't and we were talking i think everyone's experience in china is different right and it also depends on i think here in guangdong is generally a foreigner friendly area and the people have always been welcoming and kind and i'm still seeing that on a regular basis during this time. I think it happened to me a couple of times and uh, I have to admit, I had a couple of tantrums, right? Someone wrote on Facebook like, oh, all these white people having tantrums, come on, this is what Asians go through in other countries mm. all their life, uh, sometimes, right? It depends on experiences. And it's true. Um, but for me, it was like, I understand that. I, I agree with what you said, I understand it. You know, fear, right? They're just afraid. And I just uh, did a video about fear. By the way, yeah, yeah. And, plug. <laughs> and uh, for me, it was like, oh, I feel like it's my home. It's not my home. I mean, it, that's been a sentiment a lot of foreigners have been expressing lately is that even if they've been here 10, 15 years, yeah. this is the first time they've felt like it's not their home. And right. that's, the exp that's the feeling that they've gotten when these things happen to them here. And what I say to Chinese people is uh, look, it's a very small percent of people. Yeah. that are afraid of foreigners now because of this whole thing. It's a small percent. And, you know, there are shitty people and good people wherever there are people yeah. in the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I do ask those, most of the Chinese people that are good, uh, that are not afraid, that are, you know, they understand the situation and they're not sort of, you know, fear doesn't make them ignorant, that they say something to the other people. What are you doing? He's okay. Yeah, you be know? supportive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, something interesting, I want to share this with you. <clears throat> um, I'm walking my dog in the garden, and there's a WeChat group of people in the garden, and somebody sent a picture of me in the group. I said, like, <laughs> there's a foreigner with a black dog in the garden. Mm -hmm. My neighbors jumped up like, he's being here all the time. <laughs> Don't worry, he's my daughter's teacher. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. Go, guys. exactly. Thank you. Come, you got to, my come back. to your defense. Yes, they got your back. And, yeah. and if we were a problem, we would not be out. We'd be quarantined. Mm. I yeah. mean, you know, come on. Just fear makes you stupid. Anywhere in the world. I don't know if that's what you did in your video. I'm going to watch it later. My, my, <laughs> my message was that fear is a choice. Danger is real, but fear is a, a product of something that doesn't presently exist or may never happen in the future. Right. Mm. So that's, right. That's my, that was my message. It's deep. I want to talk about YouTube for a moment then. Great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, how long have you been doing YouTube? About a little over three years. A little bit three years. What has been your experience as a YouTuber in China? I mean, has it been positive, negative? Oh, 100% positive. I don't think, aside from a couple of comments here that you just dismissed, uh, for the most part, it has opened doors. It has given me opportunity to explore, to do the things that I love, and to share with the people back home what life is like, and maybe even change a few minds. Yeah. Yeah. You two are YouTubers for a while. Yeah. How, how long have you been doing it? Over three. three years. So a bit more than you. Yeah. Just a little bit. About two years. Right. I, I make content for a long time, but not really YouTube until now. And uh, <clears throat> so la my, my daughter, a couple of years ago, and it came up like, what do you want to be? YouTuber. <laughs> really? Maybe three years ago, I think. She must have been eight. Or wow. Whatever. Yeah. YouTuber. Okay. It's like, all right. Okay. Start making some videos and show me, you know. Since then, I learned she's a bit lazy. Yeah, it's a uh, lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to say I want to be a YouTuber, right? So, yeah, like, what what is the most important thing to 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 do to remember to you know to keep in mind in order to keep going to do it? There's 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 a lot of things. Um, for me, I love learning. So YouTube has been an opportunity to learn a lot of stuff right to learn a lot lighting uh, lighting sorry learn about sound learn about cameras about uh search engine optimization learn about you mean you learn learning. because you need to know now yeah you, but you also you use youtube right. to learn it correct i guess but it's it's is what keeps me going i want to get better i want to do better i want to put out better content right so it's it's what moves me right. um more than anything right um obviously um seeing my channel grow it's uh it's also a great thing satisfaction right? um yeah. there's a satisfaction in seeing that people listen to your message listen to what you have to say you reach a certain age in life where where that matters Yes. You have certain wisdom, expertise, and something to share. And, yeah. and when people listen and, and they engage and debate with you, for example, I love that. I'm so freaking active in my comments. But what about uh, if you're doing it, you're doing it and doing it and not getting much back? Mm -hmm. those, how do you keep going? What do you, how do you answer that, Paul? You got to do it for your own reasons. You know? What's your reasons? Uh, it's very intrinsic. It's, uh, it, it's not for money. It's not for views and clicks. It's not for exposure or fame. For me, it's a creative outlet. And my father always told me, Paul, in life, you need a creative outlet. For him, it was photography. Uh, for me, it was music. And then um, I kind of fell out of music, and I needed something. And I always loved film. So this is my way of making little films. And just like you said, learning. I think learning a new skill, this is something nobody will ever master. So we can mm. learn it for the rest of our lives. And every time we put out a new video... It's just a little bit better. I, I, I That's the satisfaction. I, I That's would, what keeps me going. I think combined, both your answers are 
perfect together. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also, I almost went to a film school. My, my dream was to be a director. Mine was um, to be a producer. We should have yeah, done something. Yeah, and I almost got in. Mine like was a, to be an actor. A good, <laughs> a good film school and then, uh, you know, shit happens, life. Mm. But, um, but yeah, so what about YouTubers from outside watching this? Um, and uh, what about the Chinese alternative? I, you're not doing it, right? I guess. I'm not. Do, uh, well, there's, there's well, Chinese alternative like Bilibili. Bilibili or Yoku or that's already... Well, Yoku I use only for just my company. So I put out content and that's that's it. But there is um, Yaku, there is a QQ video, there is uh, I guess Billy Billy would be the closest one to YouTube. Yeah. Do you do anything on it? Um, no, I don't do Billy Billy. I don't I don't do um, QQ. I oh, know I do QQ and Yoku, but only for my company. Like like just teaching tips and whatnot. Um, anything that's for um, Western audience or English speaking audience, uh, I do it on YouTube. That's about it. So you're not so interested, I would say, to get Chinese audience. I mean, if you were, you would be putting time in uh, making subtitles or whatever. It, it is the main challenge for me. I don't know if it is for you. Um, a lot of people say that to grow, yeah, it's a good idea to have Chinese subtitles. Right. Um, you see a lot of the big YouTubers in China put in Chinese subtitles and Somebody would say, "Oh, that's one of the reasons why they grow so fast." Um, what do you think? Who do you who do you follow of these Chinese YouTubers here? Uh, I've <laughs> I subscribe to a vast majority of them on YouTube. On YouTube. On YouTube. The, so oh, there yeah. are Chinese YouTubers. Oh, there are Chinese YouTubers, YouTubers? and then uh, there are Western YouTubers yeah. in China. Ah, Western YouTubers in yeah. China. I, I have a lot of people okay. that I follow. Um, I don't watch all the videos. I just don't have the time. There's so much content right. out there. Uh, but there, <laughs> there are many different. Uh, you know, have you guys ever heard of Hugh Hauser? No, Hugh Hauser. Hugh Hauser mm, was yeah. a was a TV show uh, host back in the eighties and nineties in California, and his goal was to just walk around California and see interesting things. He wasn't a YouTuber, but he's all over YouTube now. Huh? So uh, for me, he when filmed I filmed back then, yeah, yeah, and he was on pub public. Uh, station, and if you're from California, you know who this guy is. Okay, uh, he's very unique personality. But, uh, you know, I, I thought the person I'm, I, my audience is my mom and pop back home. <laughs> it has always been that. And it still is. When I talk to the camera, I'm usually talking to my mom and pop back home. And that's my motivation of why I do it. Now, I'm not married and I don't have children. I don't see that happening in my life. So my legacy, if you will, if when I'm an old man mm -hmm. or if my nephews, or my great nephews or someone distant wants to know who I was, it's there. It's interesting that because we talk about transcending and, and, and what's what I mean, for me, that's teaching. I see part of myself in the children that I teach. But we were discussing that's a great this thing. earlier. Yeah, that's a really good um, thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I never thought about that. But YouTube has that an idea, uh, the opportunity to show people what you're about through the years, because that's going to stay there forever. Mm -hmm. So your motivation is very pure. It's intrinsic. Yeah. And intrinsic motivations in, in motivation theory and leadership theory, intrinsic motivations are much deeper and much more powerful than extrinsic. Right. So. Do you do other social media? No. I have a Facebook page for my YouTube channel. Um, I'm not participating in Reddit. I don't have an Instagram. So this is YouTube for me is just the outlet for me to communicate with my friends and family back home. And everyone else who watches it have been very supportive. And uh, I love that 
they watch it and comment and be part of my community. It's so different. When my daughter said she want to be a YouTuber, I don't think she <laughs> she was thinking what no. you're thinking. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> she what do you think? She was thinking just famous? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's what kids today, right? They That's what they see, mm. you mm. know? And they think, oh, I'll be famous. And they don't understand how hard it is to do that, <laughs> yeah. you know? The hours yeah. of editing, the... <laughs> No, everything. I'm, I'm actually a little concerned about becoming too famous because I'm generally a very private guy. So these little windows into my life that the vlog is, is takes an awful lot of courage for me personally to put myself out there like that. It's generally very difficult, but it's a challenge and I welcome the challenge head on and I, and I do it anyways. So I'd say you're not really interested to, to put anything on Chinese social media since uh, no. your mom and dad are not watching here. No. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, maybe later when you go back or something one day you'll have the Chinese friends here. Yeah, maybe. In fact, and many of my viewers are local Chinese. You know, right. they're, they're, they're people who watch. Since we're talking about that, you, I think you started asking before, so like in YouTube, Foreigners in China, you said you, you don't watch so many. Well, I subscribe to almost all of them. But so yeah, which I mean, ones are notable ones? Maybe we can say. Not, not notable. Oh, notable. Which ones are the good ones? Uh, the good. Uh, uh, I'll tell you somebody who YouTubers. has fantastic quality and that has been grow. Well, not growing. Here's what I want to say. He's putting out beautiful videos. Beautiful videos. And he doesn't get too many views. Angelo, he's in the. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. Angelo, yeah, I know. Beautiful, but I mean, I'm talking beautiful. What is it? Yeah, about? he's very talented. What's about? Uh, no, just travel and but life in China. China. Yeah, life he's a China, vlogger. Yeah. Where is he from? But beautiful colors. He's American, beautiful. Right? He's he's American. Yeah. yeah, and and it's one of those things that I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand. Yeah, it's it's funny. Some of the YouTubers out there that that don't offer that level of of quality to their videos are extremely popular and yet you got a guy like Angelo yeah. who does but it's 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 what people stuff. want it's the market right I that's mean, the great thing about youtube it's very democratic yeah right oh. but if you want to grow and you want to succeed i mean remember when i wrote my my article uh for the magazine here um i said i'm gonna give myself five years to see where it goes to see if it's gonna lead to well maybe another income stream or whatever i'm two years in and um, I'm, I'm really, really hooked. I, I've got expectations for it now. I came in without many expectations. I was like, meh. But now I'm like... You enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I enjoy carrying a message and, and conveying a message that I think is important out there to, to, to show people China. This is what we're trying to do here as well. Right, exactly. Try to sh show people China in a way that they've never... They've never seen, they never heard, that they've been told is different. Right, exactly. You know, we are, I always say, it's really complicated to understand it. Um, you don't know until you see it yourself, personally. You can't understand it. And not it. even the one year or two year or no. three or four or five. I mean, you, you just keep <laughs> keep understanding it more and more and more. That's why I stay, because even after four years, I still don't know No, anything. exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, it's almost like our, in a way, our duty to... Uh, to try to make people understand through our eyes, through what we say, yeah. It's a privilege to do it. Yeah, it yeah. is. I agree. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time that we have to 
today. I really want to take um, the time to appreciate Paul for driving all the way to Dongguan, sitting down with us. Uh, it's been a long day for you. Mm, yeah, only I'm sure. time to go I had out a good today. time, man. Thank he, you. Know, he showed me around and uh, <laughs> around Dongguan. What a beautiful city this is. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to come and sit with you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. So, guys, you know how to do. Um, make sure to subscribe. Hit the bell button to be notified whenever there is a new video out. Follow us in all the social media that you see down here. And, well, remember to like, comment, share this to your heart's content. And until we see you again, this is, of course, China. Bye for now.